covering pro wrestling bell to bell. It's Talking Bumps with Tiny and Alex. We're back. Talking Bumps has returned. Hey, Alex. Hey, Tiny. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Alex sounds different because he is off-site. We are social distancing here at the radio station. I am considered uh, essential personnel, but he gets to stay at home and, and do this from his bed, so he's quite lucky about that. <laughs> True. So we uh, let's explain to, to everybody why there's been such a hiatus in Talking Bumps. It really honestly has nothing to do with uh, the, the coronavirus. It has everything to do with the fact that uh, I'm a new dad. Uh, Reagan was born on March 14th. And the station was nice enough to give me two weeks off to uh, and enjoy her, get to know her. And I took full advantage of that. So uh, what was two weeks felt like five months, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, the world is changing around us. So we're we're doing the social distancing thing. And speaking of change, we're, we're going to cover one topic today, and that is uh, WrestleMania 36. It took place over two days this past weekend. Uh, Alex, just in a broad sense, we'll break down some of the matches here. We're only going to spend about 10 minutes talking about this. But in a broad sense, if you had to give a letter grade to the overall show, if you want to break it down day one, day two, or just all together, what, what would you give it? I, I would have to give it a B. And the reason I would say that is just because I think that that they did kind of the best they could with what they had, yeah. uh, given that Obviously, the, the show is empty. There's no crowd, which we discussed earlier, and that was definitely strange for sure. Seeing a, a pay-per-view in general with no crowd is weird, but WrestleMania? I mean, we're used to seeing WrestleManias with, you know, tens of thousands of people, um, so that was definitely strange. I'd have to give it a B overall. I think day one was uh, probably a little bit better than day two, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's where I would put it. I, I think I'm with you. If you were to take if you were to take the way they presented that with no crowd, and let's say that were the norm for the last 30 years of professional wrestling, there was just no crowd, and let that be the baseline, and just say, okay. That being said, how was this WrestleMania? I think you're right. I think it's just it's a B. If you can remove yourself from the weirdness that is no crowd, I think you can't give this much lower than a B. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree with you. I totally agree. And I think some of the finishes were a little bit interesting, you know, specifically with uh, with Becky and Shayna, the finish on the ladder match as well for the tag team titles for SmackDown, I thought was a little strange as well. Some, So, you know, there were some issues with with a couple of how these matches ended. But, yeah, I, I think they did what they could. Let's uh, let's go by uh, day, Alex. Let's look at day one, I, I, and I think we just cover what stands out to us. You just mentioned the the ladder match finish. Um, you know, it's one of those things where we heard, and we would have covered this had we been um, still doing our weekly podcast. But the the everything was filmed ahead of time. And did you hear the rumor that there were two finishes for each match? Yes, I did hear that rumor. I don't know if there's truth to that, but it, it actually would not surprise me. What got me was, you're talking about the quote-unquote botch that was when, when Morrison fell back. I think he was supposed to be holding the belts as he descended and landed on the ladder. He obviously didn't, so while Kofi and and more, and, um, and, and uh, yeah, uh, what's his face, one of the Usos, they looked confused. I think the audience, uh, viewing audience, was confused too because... Like, well, okay, so so what's the deal here? And then they just proclaim that Morrison wins. Yeah. So because yeah. he yanked the belts off of off of the hook, um, I I don't know. It's just it was weird to me. It was strange seeing that finish just in general because we haven't really seen a, a ladder match where they've 
they've kind of put the uh, the clothes hanger where the um, right. where the belts are hung from into into the match in that kind of way. I thought that was a, a little strange. I I don't I didn't think it was a bad idea. I definitely think the ending was was a little bizarre. Um, I was certainly confused watching it. I just thought this is all a little bit bizarre, especially because the. Uh, the beginning of the match I thought was really good. I thought uh, Morrison hit some really incredible moves. Uh, the Spanish fly stuck out to me. That was a big, uh, you know, really, really nice spot that they had there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just it was a weird finish to what really could have been a, a, an awesome match had there been a little bit of a cleaner finish. Uh, let's talk about, I think we need to talk about two more matches really for, for um, I'm sorry, uh, three. Uh, the first one would be the Kevin Owens-Seth Rollins match. I'll be honest with you, of all the matches, I really didn't care about seeing this one, but boy, did it exceed expectations. Yeah, it, I totally agree. I was not expecting much from this match um, because the lead-up has been uh, sort of stifled, especially with the injuries uh, to Seth Rollins' faction, you know, with the Monday Night Messiah and all that, with the AOP being out, with, with Murphy not, not uh, being active uh, with him anymore. So I just thought, oh, it's, it's, it's not going to have some of the fun shenanigans that we've seen this build up to. And I'll tell you what, it, it has to be a WrestleMania moment because Kevin Owens is jumping off of a, a very high part of the arena. Yeah. So I, I thought they did really well with that match, actually. It, it absolutely surprised me. Uh, next up, let's talk about the shortest match on the card, Alex. It was 2 minutes, 10 seconds. It was Braun Strowman and Goldberg. What was interesting about this match is this is a match I would have loved to have seen. And on paper, you would think, well, this match is really going to deliver big. Uh, it was reported that Roman Reigns, who was the original set opponent, to take on, and I think everyone believes, to defeat Goldberg and, and take the belt off of him. Uh, he was slated to do that. He, with the whole the coronavirus, he's suffering from leukemia, being in remission. He is immunocompromised, so obviously uh, he backed out of that, and I, uh, who could blame him for that? So at 2 minutes, 10 seconds, Braun Strowman beats Goldberg. No shenanigans, no outside interference, no no tables, no, no gaga, no nothing. Uh, cleanly in the middle, 1-2-3, beats Goldberg. It, you can tell when you watch this match how much, and this is not knocking Goldberg. I love Goldberg, but you can tell how much of what he does is fed off of the crowd because there was no crowd and he wasn't feeding off of anything. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good observation. Uh, I have to agree. I think that you know when you look at at the way that that his moveset is kind of set up, you're exactly right. It is based around having that hype with the spear, the setup with the jackhammer. And we just didn't see any of that. You just couldn't feel it, really. I couldn't feel it. Um, I, I, I had really hoped that this would be a longer match. I thought that it would be a little bit better. Um, but, you know, again, I think they were kind of setting us up for what was going to be the finish for the other championship match coming up on night two. But um, definitely strange considering the path that Goldberg had been on uh, with squashing the fiend and then coming back and then getting squashed by Braun. I, that was just sort of weird. I think all of it was weird uh, again, mostly due to the fact that Roman Reigns couldn't be there. Uh, but I still think they could have done that a little bit better there. I think that we have finally reached the, the end of, at least this incarnation the past few years of how WWE, i.e. Vince McMahon, how he uses Goldberg. It's, I need somebody to take the title off of, you know, whoever has it, squash him, you win it, we go a couple months, we go to a big payoff, which is typically WrestleMania, and then we'll take the belt off of you and, and we will quote-unquote anoint the next person. But I think, Alex, and, you know, put your opinion in here, but I think that that has run its course. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is very much kind of the end of an era for for using that as a, a storyline device because you just you just can't have it anymore. People um, aren't really invested in it that much anymore. I mean, I think that had the buildup been a little bit better, I think had uh, the match with the Fiend maybe gone a little bit differently, could have been different. But uh, no, I just I, I think you're probably right. This is probably the end of, of this kind of, of era for, for Goldberg coming in and, and saving the day, quote unquote. And I'll end it with this talking about this match is do, do you think that Goldberg had the mentality and seemed like it of get this belt off me? Yeah, it, def- it definitely seems that way. I think that uh, at least from what I can tell, the, the fact just that the match was so short yeah. to me spoke volumes of saying, yeah, I just want to get rid of this thing as fast as possible and, and, and just move on. Um, and I think that's both Vince and, and Goldberg in, in this scenario. Yeah. So uh, that uh, that takes us to the end of uh, part one. We have one more match to cover. Uh, we'll go, we go from one extreme to the next, Alex. We go from the shortest match we just talked about, Braun Strowman and Goldberg at 2 minutes, 10 seconds, to the longest quote-unquote match at 19 minutes. It was the Boneyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Uh, AJ, of course, accompanied by Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. We... I don't know if you did. I I did not have any idea what to expect. What What is a Boneyard match? Did, we, we didn't... Uh, they used to call them graveyard matches, which is what it uh, what it essentially amounted to. But I liked everything in the body of the match. So all the delivery, all the spots, all you know, and this was very Matt Hardy and TNA vignette esque. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yes, totally, totally. Uh, but nonetheless, the only thing I see if you can guess what I did not like about this match, and it has nothing to do with the match. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm going to say, oh, I don't even know. Maybe some of the pyro? <laughs> no. I hated the the American Badass returning. Hated it. Oh, really? Can't okay. stand it. The Undertaker, to me, will always be the dead man gimmick, and, I, and, and that's just nostalgia, and that's me refusing to want to see something different. I didn't like it when he did it back in the early 2000s. I don't like it now. And when The Undertaker first was thrown into the, the grave – and it looked like AJ was going to win before the whole teleportation thing happened, whatever that was. I really thought, here it comes. He debuted again as the American Badass. He's going to get buried alive by AJ Styles. This is going to set up something where Sting returns, challenges him to a match at next year's WrestleMania, which arguably is going to be the biggest WrestleMania ever because they'll finally have a crowd at it. It'll be in L.A. Sting is at home in Los Angeles. And what's, what's going to wind up happening is the dead man will return and we will have the Sting Undertaker match that will be the retirement probably of both of them, but it didn't happen. Yeah, no, it didn't. And I wonder, really, is this kind of the last ride for for the Undertaker? I mean, it, it kind of has to be, I would think. Um, as far as as far as the the return of this character, uh, I grew up in that kind of late '90s, early 2000s. So of course, I love. You know, the American badass taker that's that, you know, so just for me, because I grew up with that. Right. Um, and, and I'm a little bit younger. So that that was that connected with me, even coming out to Limp Biscuit at WrestleMania 17 when he faced Triple H. Like, I remember those moments uh, <laughs> very yeah. well. So I was I was kind of pleased and they had sort of teased it. I definitely see where you're coming from. And a lot of my friends that I've spoken with 
were not pleased that this is kind of making the return. They wanted to see him go out as as the dead man, especially if this is kind of the last ride for him. But well, that's why um, this this can't be this can't be it, and that's that's the reason. Because you know the Undertaker will never end his in ring career as anything other than the dead man. Exactly. Yep. And and Vince won't let him because Vince knows that that's what the people want. Let me ask you this, because we we can say, you know, the the match was 19 minutes and we can analyze it till we're blue in the face. I think it was a home run uh, in as much as it could be. But let's say this. Do you think that Undertaker's sting is ever going to (laughs) happen? Yes, I do. I do think it's going to happen, and I think it really could be next year at WrestleMania in Hollywood. That would make a lot of sense to me. Use the next year to kind of build to that point. Uh, and then go from there because there, there's really kind of nothing left, I would say, uh, that The Undertaker hasn't done over his illustrious career. So that's really the the last piece. I know we had both hoped to see something like that at this year's Mania. Obviously it didn't happen. But, but I'm so glad. Uh, now look at this. I'm so glad that this year wasn't the year. Exactly. Because that has yeah. to have a crowd. It's almost like... The you know as much as I moaned and groaned and complained to you over the last few months that they weren't going to go with with Taker and Sting at this coming Mania, it's almost like God was looking out for us and saying, you know what, here's what's coming. It's that that match deserves a crowd, and so in a way, I'm very glad it didn't happen this year. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and and I I think that the Undertaker and AJ worked really well together on this match. I thought it it was really good. Uh, it took eight hours to film. Uh, Undertaker actually did suffer a legitimate injury when he put uh, his hand through that hearse window. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, it was it was A la good. Goldberg. Was, you know, yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, people are talking about always oh, campy and corny. Okay, that's fine. But on some level, it was very entertaining. It was very entertaining. I loved every second of that match, um, really from the beginning. And I had no expectation, no idea how they were actually doing it. And apparently the NXT film crew was actually, uh, along with Triple H, were, were the ones that were uh, responsible for filming this. And I just think they did an incredible job. Yeah. I don't know if it's the future of wrestling, but we're going to start to see some more matches like this over uh, over the next few years, I think. Most definitely. And we did the next night, so we're going into part two now. Uh, you want to talk about Strange. You want to talk about Campy. We'll get there. Uh, most definitely, the last, uh, the the next to last match of night w- night two is is something to behold. Um, I I did not see the. Let's start with uh, well, Alex. What 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 matches do you think from night two deserve us uh, covering uh, other than the last two? So the big one for me is uh, Ray Ripley and and Charlotte Flair. Uh, Flair winning that NXT title off of Ray Ripley. Very very good match. Very impressive. Uh, definitely a longer match. That's for sure. Uh, I really loved both of their in-ring work. And, you know, building to this rivalry, I thought that was just an incredible payoff. I loved every second of that match. And I really want to see them do more work together because I think uh, I think they're really good together. Uh, speaking of uh, long matches, the longest match of both nights uh, by quite a good clip, by about, uh, let's see, about 16 minutes longer than the then the next longest match, which was the match you just talked about, at 36 minutes, 35 seconds, Edge, Randy Orton, and the last man standing match. Uh, a shame I, I didn't see it, though. What would you think of it, Alex? It was it was good. Um, there were definitely some moments where I kind of uh, was a little speechless with some of the things that, that Edge was able to do coming off of uh, a platform under Randy through a table. Uh, there were just some things that both of them were doing. And, and again, these are both older guys who have been around 
you know, been wrestling for years and years. And Edge returning and returning in this way for this kind of a match in a last man standing match, I thought it was brilliantly done. I thought it was shot well. Uh, I thought that the spots looked really, really good. The storytelling was phenomenal. Um, it was definitely long. I think it may have been a little bit too long, um, but there there really wasn't much filler, you know, per se. Like it was, it was just wild. And uh, I think that you know, with Edge working a few dates moving forward in 2020, this is a great way to kind of kick off, uh, you know, this run for him for sure. Let's fast forward now, uh, just in case you missed any of it. Bailey defeated Lacey, Ellen, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina to uh, to keep the the women's championship for SmackDown. Uh, that that was actually very decent. I thought the speaking of well shot, if I had to pick one moment that really made me go, "Ooh, wow!" It was when uh, Lacey Evans wound up hitting Sasha Banks with the women's right. Yes. And when she turned yeah. around and clipped that, now obviously you, you know it's a work, and if you watch it in slow-mo, you, you can pick, pick it apart. But when it happened, and, and Sasha sold it like crazy, it was so good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely brilliant spot. Another one of those kind of surprising, because we see these moments all the time where it's, you know, somebody gets hit and they shouldn't have been. But but that one really shocked me, the way they set that up with the three of them in the ring. Uh, that was that was incredible. I thought that was a really, really good shot. And I thought the match in general was actually quite good. I'm yeah. not a huge fan of these multi-person matches, but um, I, I definitely thought it worked really well for, you know, given the format. Next up, we have uh, what was the uh, 17th match of all of WrestleMania 36. I, I can't believe we're, we're getting into those those digits, those those high numbers. <laughs> um, it was the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse. Again, a match that we didn't know. What to expect? It. I don't even know when the match started, quite honestly, um, and I wasn't sure when it ended. But it was 13 minutes, so somewhere there was 13 minutes of a match between the Fiend and John Cena. Alex, a lot of people are praising this. It was, if you look at the reviews online, it is one of the highest and most well-reviewed pieces of business on WrestleMania 36. Um, I. I don't know where I fall on this. What do you think? I um, I see what they were trying to do. I definitely think it was uh, interesting to see how they shot it. Again, the Boneyard match kind of set us up for this Firefly Funhouse match, so I had a feeling that you know if the Bone Boneyard match was kind of pre-recorded in, the, in that kind of uh, way, that this would be very similar. It was essentially just kind of a long skit with some pretty in- interesting Easter eggs. Uh, especially with John Cena's career kind of looking back through um, the Ruthless Aggression era. Um, I don't know. I I have to say I think the Boneyard match was better just from an objective standpoint. I don't think they did poorly with the Firefly Funhouse match, uh, but I did have, personally, I had a little bit of a hard time getting into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we had talked about some of the props that they used, which were pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I've said for years that the the network needs to do a warehouse special other than the Joey Styles, like, you know, three minute, you know, blurbs here or there a few years ago. I didn't know that it was going to take a John Cena match to do it. But uh, yeah, it was really cool seeing the old WCW, the big, uh, you know, diamond plate galvanized letters and um, the, the big blue cage that Bray Wyatt was standing behind when they when they uh, riffed on Saturday night's main event. My issue with it, with, with this match, Alex, is even though for years now, Vince McMahon has pulled back the curtain and it's been pounded in that it's sports entertainment. It's sports entertainment. Wrestling is still, by and large, 
the attempt is made to present it as legitimate. And right. you, you want people to think that there's a legitimate beef between AJ Styles and The Undertaker. Uh, otherwise, why do you do promos? Why do you do any of it? You, you And I know you can say, well, soap operas don't want you to think that it's real. No, you're right. They don't. But wrestling is different. We've, we, you know, if that was the case, then why couldn't wrestling touch on subjects that other forms of entertainment touch on? It's because uh, wrestling has always been thought of as attempting to be real. And if you're going to do that, if that's the goal... This match did not uh, did not do that. Yeah, it was yeah, that, I think it, that's it was really it was it was that you know uh, it, it, uh, an editing special effects nightmare. Um, John Cena going for the ruthless, ruthless aggression. Kurt Angle slapped like what, five times. I mean, come on, let's be realistic. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to be somewhat strange. I, I definitely did not see it being this bizarre. And and again, it was just a a huge skit really to, to show off, you know, Cena, I thought, um, you know, and it's funny to see all these grades come out that people say, Oh, a plus it was fantastic. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, personally myself, I'm not convinced. Whereas I love the boneyard match. I think that was uh, certainly an a plus when it comes to sort of those uh, vignettes and how they film those. This was um, good, but just very strange. And you absolutely, had to had to suspend your disbelief to a, a degree that, you know, even I was a little bit mm, uncomfortable with. You know, the best thing to me was the Vince McMahon puppet. Oh, so good, so good. Taking that that little shot at uh, John Moxley, Danny Ambrose, so good. Um, I I mean, I again, I loved how they filmed. I loved the uh, the scripting. The skit itself was good, but. Um, yeah. Let I, me ask you this. Uh, this just popped into my head. I, I remembered I wanted to ask you this because you, you, you really go into the minutia of these matches, and we're running overtime here, but that's okay. Um, th- someone had said on Facebook, I saw, that apparently in this match somewhere there was a wink or a reference to Chris Benoit. Did, do you know about that? I do not. That's okay. very interesting. No, I'm not aware of anything like that. I didn't and catch I, it when I watched it. Yeah, me neither. I didn't see anything that would – and someone had commented and said, yeah, I saw that, and I kind of cringed. I don't know what it was. Um, if you're listening and you can reach out to us and let us know, um, you know we're on Facebook and we're, we're easy to find. And I would love to uh, – because even if you if you Google Firefly Funhouse, uh, Chris Benoit, nothing comes up. So I didn't know – I think that was just somebody trying to uh, – to spread something. Okay, Alex, main event. Let's do this. Four minutes, 35 seconds, which does not seem like a lot of time. It's a, a mountain of time, though, when you're dealing with someone like Brock Lesnar. And he was going, it was for the WWE Championship. Brock was facing off against the number one contender coming off of the uh, 2020 Royal Rumble. In Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew defeated Brock Lesnar. And your thoughts on this one, buddy? Yeah, I mean, definitely a short match, uh, very similar to Night One's championship match. And in a lot of ways, uh, you know, part-timer, older guy who's holding the title kind of gives way to one of the younger guys to to take over. Uh, you know, keep in mind, there were four title changes over WrestleMania weekend. That is very high. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think we had all kind of suspected Drew would win. Wasn't exactly sure how he would win. Uh, the interesting thing is that he won cleanly. To me, that is just humongous. Like even last year when Seth was on his big face run and he defeated, you know, slayed the beast, right? I mean, he used low blows to get there. There was 
a lot of shenanigans going on in that match last year, and people still loved it because, obviously, Brock lost, Seth was able to grab the title, so that was cool. This was a completely different feel, totally different feel, and I thought that they just nailed it. I thought it was really good that um, that Drew was, was able to kind of be put over in that way, and it's no secret that, that Brock uh, loves Drew, really wanted to put him over, um, and it, it just it made a lot of sense. I mean, the match itself, you know, whatever. It's it's a you know your typical kind of affair when it comes to to Brock title defenses. Um, but I just was really surprised at how cleanly he won that uh, that match and kicking out of the F fives. Uh, that was also very impressive. You don't. I don't think anyone's asking the question between out of this match. What's next for Drew McIntyre? I think everyone is asking the question. What's next? Or Brock Lesnar? What do you think? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I think he's he's probably going to be done for a while, uh, I would think. And then, you know, maybe he'll come back, uh, maybe SummerSlam, something like that. But uh, I, I don't think that he's going to be holding any titles in the near future. I think they're they're kind of done with that, and they, they really want to highlight Drew and kind of move forward. Same with, same with Braun Strowman. I think that they're kind of passing the torch a little bit. And, uh, you know, even though Brock obviously has a lot left in the tank, can do a lot more, I think they're going to try and save him for something else, maybe a special storyline. So we'll see. Maybe he's going to beat the crap out of Sting and Taker will come in for the save. (laughs) Now that is some fantasy booking right there. I love it. Okay, well, we got to run. Alex, it's been awesome catching up with you again. I love talking wrestling with you. You're my wrestling buddy, and uh, we'll do this again. Uh, hopefully we can do this, get back to this weekly, if not at least every couple weeks, because, um, you know, realistically, there, there, I can't see that in the next few weeks there's going to be much to cover. Um, maybe do a, maybe next week we can do a little peppering of AEW and catch everybody up on that and give our thoughts there. But uh, this was the big one. We wanted to make sure we, we uh, got WrestleMania out to you. We did, and we are self, uh, self, what do you call it, social distancing here. Alex is uh, in his bed. I am not. So <laughs> we'll make sure we get back to programming, Alex. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Tiny. It's Talking Bumps with Tiny and Alex. Follow Talking Bumps on Twitter at Talking Bumps.